0: Hi, everyone. It's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Row Real Estate, and I am joined today by Sarah Gerringer. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Gerringer. Um, she is an author that I really wanted to just have the opportunity to have her share her story and also about this book that she wrote, Transforming Your Thought Life. And then she made another edition for teens, which sounds really cool. So we're going to get into all of that but thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us.
1: Tell us a little bit about you. Well, it smells really good in my house today because my teenage daughter is taking care of baking the pies and my two older sons, who are also teens, uh, put mulch on a flower bed. So I'm feeling great. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. So like I said, I'm a mom of three teens, wife of 21 years, I am a fifth-generation resident of Missouri, of Southeast Missouri, so I'm very proud of that, and I love to write. I read over 100 books a year. I am a foodie, so I love eating food, and I love flowers, and I'm a proud dog mom. I have a 115-pound Labrador retriever, and he has my heart, and he's actually going to be part of my book that's coming out next year, which maybe we'll get to talk to that about that soon too
0: awesome well thank you sarah that's awesome there's so many things i can follow up with that but (laughs) let's jump in because we have a full schedule here of questions i want to get through so you wrote this book transforming your thought life then had a teen edition what motivated you to write this book or both of these books
1: yeah so i had self-published three books and i thought it was time to release another one And I was just thinking about uh, how meditating on God's word had helped me so much in my thought life. I thought this is a good uh, book idea. And I had mentioned this in a book proposal that I sent to an agent that I was getting ready to self-publish a book. This was a proposal for a totally different book, which has actually turned into a podcast that I'm doing now. And she said, where is the book proposal on this one? And I said, well, right now it's three pages of notebook scribbles. And she said, I want a proposal on this right away. So what had happened uh, is in the publishing world, there's trends and Mm. I didn't know this, but of course publishers knew that kind of a thought life trend was coming. Jenny Allen wrote a book about this. Craig Rochelle did. So they knew these books were in the queue, but I didn't know that I was just doing what I felt like God was calling me to do. And so my publisher said, the reason I want to sign you is because these other books are touching on Christian meditation, but there's none that focus the whole book on using Christian meditation to transform your thought life. So I didn't realize that was going to be a trend, but God did. And he knew that this book would help people. And then he also knew it would turn into a book for teens that came out this year. So I never saw that coming either, but it's been really a wonderful adventure. And I feel like that's what God does when we're obedient. uh, We submit to him. We we obey his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. And if we do that, he opens up all these things that we never really dreamed were possible for us. Mm -hmm. So that's been my story.
0: So cool. Well, I think my first question is just, how it looks different um, between an adult mind and a teen mind. I don't have teenagers, but I was a teenager at one point. So I'm just curious when you wrote these two books, what did you find the difference between the the two?
1: Well, uh, I know that Alicia Michelle, she's a personal friend of mine, and you just had her on and she talks about brain science and Mm -hmm. how our prefrontal cortex does not fully develop until age 25 on average. So teens and uh, children are still developing. They don't have all that capacity in their brains to process uh, input like we do Mm -hmm. as adults. And God made it that way. He wanted the family unit to be there to help children and teens shape what their minds believed would be true. And so when I wrote the first book, what I did is I pulled my tribe of people. And I said, Hey, I'm going to list some thought life category problems that I have. And then you tell me any more. And, and mm-hmm. if you experiencing any of these, and so that's how I built the chapters, I crowdsourced them. And of course, they were ones that I struggled with myself. So then uh, I when I did the teen girl book, I also gathered a group of teens that would give me feedback. And I said, here are all the chapters that exist in the adult version. And tell me which ones of these you struggle with and any other ones. Mm-hmm. And so they checkmarked all the ones that are in the adult book, because those are really problems of the human condition, anxiety, mm-hmm. anger, regret, guilt, those kind of things. There's chapters for all of those. But what I noticed was with the teens, there were four more categories that I needed to cover because as you can remember from being a teen, your peer relationships are so important and you're, you're forming your self identity. Mm -hmm. And one of the chapters is on confused thoughts because right now, uh, even in the church up to one third of teens experience uh, same sex attraction. So that, That did not exist when I was a teen, but I knew I had to write a chapter because so many teens are dealing with this themselves. And if they Mm -hmm. aren't, then surely one of their friends is. So I wanted to help them in these uh, in these areas so that they would be better equipped as teens Mm -hmm. to use God's word as a shield and even an arrow in in the spiritual battles that they face alongside the adults that I'm, I'm teaching this uh, to do the same thing that really, if we can meditate on God's word, it becomes part of our thinking and it starts replacing the lies that we believe. And then we can fight back when we're tempted, just like Jesus did. Uh, Jesus used scripture three times when he was tempted and we, we need to do the same thing.
0: I love that. So again, because I'm not in that realm of teenagers yet, I'm curious with you being a mom of three, you've written this book. So of course, that's an amazing resource for parents that are listening or for teenagers who want to help transform their thought life. But what are other ways that moms or aunts or cousins can help encourage our teens to have these strong minds to fight these spiritual battles we're talking about?
1: You know, I'll just give you an example from my real life that happened this week so my daughter was experiencing some girl drama i'm sure that you know what that's about ashley right (laughs) um so i had to tell her this was just part of our conversation and this is because i've done that work so when i was talking about this and listening to her um, one thing that teens want is for us to listen and not Mm -hmm. judge or correct or offer advice right up front. They do want advice from us, I think, but they want to be able to share their feelings with us first. So I've, I've tried to do that. And then I told her a story. I asked her if, can I share a story of when I dealt with something similar in order to show empathy, Mm -hmm. not to say, Oh, it's very tempting for us. I think as parents to say, you know what, this is no big deal. Like you'll get over this. And by, two weeks from now, it's done. Well, that, Mm. that doesn't help a teen in the moment. They need to know it's okay to feel sad or angry or frustrated or brokenhearted about something. And we've got to affirm those feelings. And so then I shared my story to show that I had empathy with her. I, Mm. I could relate to what she was going through. And then I said, you know what, we've got to move forward from this. I know that you're upset right now, but let's look let's go moving forward. And then I pulled a verse out of my memory. I didn't say, this is Romans, you know, such and such, right? I just said, you know what? The Bible tells us that if uh, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So what is that going to look like? Because that's really talking about you controlling your thoughts and actions you can't control how these other girls are acting, but you can control how you're acting. So it was a really, I felt like, because my daughter and my sons too, have all said, don't preach at me, mom. Right. They don't want me to preach a sermon to them. But after I've listened, after I've empathized, after I've affirmed them, then they're open and willing for me to say, Hey, let's consider this truth of what God tells us what his rules are and how we can apply it. They need to know how to apply it to not just have some blanket statement uh, spoken over them. They want to know how to live it out. And I think this is very different for this generation compared to when we grew up and certainly for our parents, our, our kids are open and hungry and willing to listen to Authentic and vulnerable discussions with us about faith. This has been proven in the Pew research and in the Barna research. So, both secular and within the church, that uh, young adults and teens really crave these kind of authentic relationships and conversations with us. But we have to be brave enough and courageous enough and uh, vulnerable enough to do that in a way that doesn't talk down to them, but kind of meets them at their level.
0: And I would assume part of that too is um, something that I would have to master that I don't have yet is just like concealing some of the emotion that might trigger them to feel shame or feel disappointment from us. Cause I, my three-year-old at the time came home and shared something with me that she did with a little boy at the pool that just stopped my heart. And, you know, like, And she saw it on my face. She saw me get real emotional. I started getting tears and it was totally appropriate for the age, but she looked at me and said, well, mom, I guess I just shouldn't share these things with you as a three-year-old. And I thought, that's not what I want. I want her to be able to come to me and share the things she's exploring, the things she's learning or curious about. Um, But in that moment she saw my reaction and it wasn't a safe place for her to come. And so that's something I need to definitely develop as I you know, enter teen years, which is a while away. But I would think in those moments of trying to not reflect judgment or condemnation or anything like that in those vulnerable conversations so that you are drawing your child out so you can hear their heart and walk that road with them rather than shame them from sharing what they're experiencing.
1: Definitely. And that takes a lot of self-control. And I've been in that situation you just talked about. And I will say, look, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm, I'm human and I sin and I fail to, I'm learning how to be a mom of teenagers is Mm -hmm. what I've told them. I know how to be a mom of littles Um, being a mom of teenagers. I've got to learn how to do that. So I'm Mm going to make some mistakes. Will you forgive me? Because Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was reactive. And Mm -hmm. when I've done that every single time, they're like, no big deal, mom. But I have to, I have to be the first one to say that and Mm -hmm. kind of lead with that of like, I'm not a perfect mom. (laughs) I'm not going to pretend I'm a perfect mom, but Mm -hmm. I need your grace to help me learn how to be the best mom I can be for you guys, that's that's what I do. So
0: are there common thought patterns you see as you research this, as you experience it in your own life, your teen's lives? I mean, you talked about some chapters, of these emotions or anger, regret, shame, um, same-sex attraction. What are some of the thought patterns that come alongside that, that we're trying to defeat?
1: Well, I would say among those topics that I cover, probably anxiety is the the most popular one between the adults and the teens. That's a huge problem in our culture. And I feel like the underlying pattern for that one is that we have as a culture. And even within the church, mm-hmm. God has become too familiar to us. He's like our buddy and that's great. Okay. But he's also the master of the universe. Right. He's the creator. He's the sustainer of all life. Mm-hmm. So when you don't have a reverent and high view of god and his holiness and how none of us deserve to even be in his presence because he's so majestic i think we need to cultivate more of that and i think that our anxiety comes because we don't feel like somebody we forget that someone with a capital s so big is presiding over everything and i think that meditating on verses about god's sovereignty or god as creator help us remember that and really that underlies pretty much all of the problems but anxiety is such a problem now after the pandemic and Mm -hmm. all the changes that that has affected around the world i think that's the number one problem and i feel like uh when, again, I'll just give a personal example. In 2017, I picked uh, Isaiah 26.3 as my meditation verse of the year. Mm-hmm. So I've done I've done a verse for the year every year since then. That was the year I quit my job to be a full-time writer. And mm-hmm. so there was a lot of anxiety in terms of finding freelance work, working 100% self-employed. And I made it into my screensaver on my computer, which I was looking at literally dozens of times a day. And it says... You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So I had to say that to myself mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of times. And I think what God was telling me, that's, I think that's the best, one of the best verses for meditating on when you have anxiety is he was saying, do you really trust me? Mm-hmm. Because if you really trust me, you'll be able to keep your mind more steadfast on my promises, on my faithfulness, on all my deeds. And then you can experience that peace that passes all understanding. I'll understand it. So it was an issue of trust right? more than it was an issue of anxiety, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And again, that goes back to seeing God as huge and almighty and king of all kings, those kind of things. So he did a good work in me that year. That was before any of this stuff existed. yeah, and you know, and I think that going on that thought pattern over and over again, that's really what meditation is. It's repetition. Mm. Uh, the two Hebrew words in the Bible that talk about meditation have to do with repeating something. so it's we know this right from growing up that. If you're going to learn anything you've got to repeat repeat review review study and memorize this is just the way that our our brains work because Mm -hmm. we're reinforcing a neural pathway and and that's what our brain wants to do it wants a shortcut uh and so it kind of goes down those same highways Mm -hmm. well when it comes to our thoughts right and anxious thoughts is a great one to um, talk about it's like this downward spiral That's what Jenny Allen talks about in her book, Get Out of Your Head, that you Mm -hmm. start up here, you're worrying about something and you keep going down in town until like basically the whole world is nuclear holocaust. You know, that's what what we do, right? So if you can start way up here when it's, you know, what is that spot on my face, right? Mm -hmm. And start right there and plug in Isaiah 26, verse three, or Psalm 46, 10, be still and know I am God, you know? then you're telling yourself God's in charge. This is not, this is not my deal. Yes. It's affecting me, but God, Mm -hmm. God's got this. Mm -hmm. He's got this, but that's why you're plugging in scripture when you're triggered, when you're tempted, Mm -hmm. because then you can stop that downward spiral and get back on track way up here. Yeah. So something you can
0: do anywhere at any time. And People don't even have to know that you're doing it. It's- exactly.
1: Exactly. I did this at work all the time with difficult co-workers. Yeah. I guess Psalm 141 verse 3 says, set a guard at my lips, O Lord. And I would remember that because I was just this close to zinging back, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, no, the Lord doesn't want me to say that he's sitting, yeah. he's sitting right here Wow. and I don't want to do something that's going to disappoint him. Yeah, You know, so there's all kinds of verses that you can use for whatever problem that you're dealing with, whatever kind of temptation you're facing.
0: One comment you made that stuck out to me was that Satan knows that negative thoughts are the easiest way to tear a person down. I'm just curious if you would elaborate on that and why you think that's the tactic of the enemy.
1: So studies indicate that we have up to 60,000 thoughts per day. And of those thoughts, 80% could be negative. Mm -hmm. And of those thoughts, 95% of them are recycled from the day before. So we are literally just keeping ourselves in this negative cesspool of thoughts and holding ourselves down. And then when he just drops a little seed in there, which of course is negative, it just adds to that mix. Mm -hmm. And then it takes us down the spiral. So what God's word does, like I talked about just a moment ago, if we can replace Mm -hmm. the lie that we're telling ourselves, like I'm so fat, I'll never get a boyfriend, I'll never succeed, whatever you know how we do, right? right? Or I'm a terrible mom, I'm gonna ruin my kids' lives. I they're going to hate me and they're going to leave me when I'm, when they're all grown up. Right. This is Mm -hmm. what we don't ever talk about this, but this is what we do in our minds. Right. So you start up there, I just, this actually happened to me this morning in the guilty thoughts chapter. I talk about guilt ghosts Mm -hmm. as they come back to haunt you from your past. And this thought I was taking a shower, this thought from high school, I graduated in 1995 so this a long long time ago and something that I uh, like it was really a false guilt thing something I beat myself up for wasn't Mm -hmm. really actually sinful right it just came up you know Mm -hmm. and maybe because today I have this interview with you and another Mm -hmm. one with somebody else where I'm encouraging people to take control of their thought lives right this is what happens Mm -hmm. that Satan wanted to just Get his hook in, yeah, and what I thought in the shower again. Don't have a Bible in front of me, obviously. Mm -hmm. I go to Philippians 4 8 and I did my own version of it. Think about what is good, what is pure, what is righteous, what is noble, what is you know, those admirable, all those uh wonderful words. God doesn't want me thinking about that incident in 1994 that has no bearing on my life whatsoever today, none. Right. You know, he wants me focused on what is positive, what is life giving, what is true, what is Mm -hmm. powerful for today. And I wasn't going to stay in the past. I needed to be here in the present to do the work Mm -hmm. that God has called me to do for his kingdom's Mm -hmm. advancement today. So it's it's really amazing. Once you start doing this, you'll really you'll realize just how many lies are holding you down mm-hmm. that have probably been holding you down for decades yeah. that you weren't aware of. And mm-hmm. now you'll realize, oh, that's why I wasn't overcoming in this area because I wasn't inviting God in right. to help me fight that battle.
0: What I even think with that, like, it's so interesting because it was so long ago that Satan's like, I'll just pull this up. You know, it's like he's got a filing cabinet on all of us of all the things that he knows will be um, useful for his attempts at destroying us and tearing us away from the Lord. It's like, I would think in my mind that wouldn't be very helpful or powerful from that long ago, but he pulls it out and it, you know, it had a moment of maybe emotion that wasn't good. You fought it off because you've done the work to get to that place. But for those of us who haven't done that work, that could really take us down a very slippery slope of destruction for the day or into a lifestyle of destruction, if not caught, replaced and um, brought to light.
1: Yeah. It's, it's only happens in a matter of seconds, but it can Mm -hmm. literally, like you said, it can reroute your whole day. Yeah. And really, I think most of the time, honestly, he's just trying to distract me Mm -hmm. because I think he knows if he can distract me, my own sinful nature will take care of the rest. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to keep tempting me. Yeah, I'll just keep on going. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you read the story about in Genesis, about when Rebecca helped Jacob deceive his father and his brother to get the birthright, you'll see that at the very beginning, it probably was a temptation. And then Rebecca just took over out of mm-hmm. her uh, over functioning mom role. Right. right. And it, I don't, I'm, yes, that was following Satan's will rather than God's will, but I'm just saying she did a lot of that work herself. You know, he just had to plant that initial seed and then she just took care of it. And I think that's what's happening with most of us Mm -hmm. because the Bible is very clear that we're not good by nature. We are sinful people Mm -hmm. and sin is going to keep rearing its ugly head in us because we're born into a fallen world. However, when we become believers, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And one of his jobs is to bring those kind of scriptures to mind and to enlighten us to the truth and to kind of prick our consciences Mm -hmm. when things aren't going right. And so the more that we meditate on God's word, the more we're going to recognize what his voice sounds like, which is very different from what uh, the lies sound like that we tell ourselves or what Mm -hmm. Satan tries to tempt us to believe or what other people have spoken over us in our lives, that all that noise is going on. That's that 80 to 95% thing that we talked about in our thoughts. But God's voice is loving, caring, gentle. It's firm, Mm -hmm. but it's not... It's it's always for us. It's not against yeah. us. And you'll start recognizing the warmth in his mm-hmm. voice, the more that you spend time in his word, mm-hmm. I think.
0: And another thing that stuck out was just these benefits of Christian meditation. And you go through in the book, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. We don't have enough time to go through all of them, but do you have some favorites that you'd want to share just on the benefits of Christian meditation?
1: Well, like- Okay. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Right. And I tend, I eat when I'm stressed out. I think a lot of us do, especially when we're in our family units that might not be super happy time. Right. So again, when I'm, when I'm doing, when I'm sitting at the buffet and all this amazing food is in front of me, literally as I'm filling my plate, I'm saying in a whole different context, right. Set a guard at my lips, Lord, you know, because because i know the bible tells us don't you know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit like our bodies matter to god like and i'm not saying i don't eat more calories than i normally do at lunch for thanksgiving lunch and i think that's fine right uh because i don't want to get into a whole discussion about uh, mindful eating here i'm just trying to make it super practical and timely for you all if you in that moment while you're filling your plate set a guard at my lips, Lord, it's going to be like a guardrail that keeps you on track of like, okay, I'm going to take, you know, some cookies, but not Mm -hmm. until I've eaten a bunch of uh, crudités first, Mm -hmm. you know, I need to eat the vegetables and the healthy stuff before I indulge in the other stuff. So then I'm not cramming my face out of like the comfort binging kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm honoring God by practicing self-control. And -hmm. and when I say set a guard at my lips, Lord, I'm asking for his help. I'm not alone in the struggle. And I think a lot of times we forget that. We think that we just have to fight it out ourselves. We just have to like push through and just do it Mm -hmm. But when we invite God in, Mm -hmm. it's like he's standing there with us or he's sitting beside us at the table. And that's a comforting feeling. That's Mm -hmm. an encouraging feeling. It's not a feeling of somebody sitting there judging us, but that he's he's our helper. He's our friend and he wants to help us even in those little decisions that we Mm -hmm. face.
0: And you go on in the book too, to go through a 10 step process of Christian meditation, which we don't have time to go through, but for anyone who likes an ABC or a checklist, which I am one of those. So that was really cool to see the steps that you can go through. Do you want to lean into that at all before we close up?
1: I'll just pick like three of them real quick. And this is just to help you uh, hide it in your heart and mind even more. So one is to write it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a 40% better chance of remembering it if you write it out. There's just something that the way that our brain works with our hands, mm-hmm. it transfers that memory so much more. So once you write it out, then post it somewhere. I like to put it in my kitchen window so I can look at it when I'm washing dishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, on my, I used to put it on my computer Mm -hmm. at work like just a sticky note there Mm -hmm. um so posting it is good and another thing is if if it's like a verse of the year like i was talking about Mm -hmm. get it like on a bracelet because Mm -hmm. then it's right there where you can look at it and there's all kinds of options for customizing jewelry now so you can just get it on a bracelet and wear it every day and you'll be surprised at how many times you glance over it and you're like oh yeah Oh, yeah, be still and know that I am God, you know, or whatever you pick. Like, yeah, yeah, I need to do that. So it helps keep you on track. I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah. You alluded to a book you have coming out next. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Love to hear.
1: So that'll be coming out uh, in the fall of 2022. And it's about um, taking prayer walks with my dog and how I found all these things in nature to inspire prayer. Cool. So uh, it's kind of about demystifying prayer for people and encouraging them, encouraging them to connect with God in nature. Mm-hmm. And I found a lot of comfort doing that uh, in 2020 when mm-hmm. we couldn't move about freely and going out in nature, which has never changed. Well, hasn't changed that much since God spoke it into being, mm-hmm. you know, so that was a great comfort to me. And I know it was to a lot of people too. Yes, for sure.
0: Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This is so helpful and so many things to think about. I hope everyone will go out and get maybe this book for themselves or for their teen daughters. Um, I just
1: wanted to show you if I could just one more moment. So I have copies of these books in my Etsy shop. So you can get the signed copies from me. Yeah. So So. cool. Well, thank you, Sarah.
0: This has been so helpful and I hope, um, I get to talk with you again, but thank you for being here and I will see everybody next week. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Bye. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.